Hey, it's there's seven. There's always seven when we start. Welcome to Monday Night Therapy with John and Todd, or John and Todd's Monday Night Therapy, or Todd and John's Monday Night Therapy, however you want to do it. Maybe we should hold the vote. Okay, it's Monday night, and there's Monday night playoff, NFL playoff. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching. It tells you which college did the better job hiring their coach because I don't see Matt Rule sitting between the Manning brothers, you know, on this playoff game. They got Coach Prime there. Did What's they? the deal here? Really? Yeah, he, oh Dion's been with him since the about three minutes in in the first quarter. He's he's going to occupy the whole first half. Where's oh, you, where's okay? So they're doing the Peyton Manning Monday night thing. Yeah, Peyton and Eli. And, and and Coach Prime is in there. Coach Prime is in there. Yeah, he's got all of his – he's got his uh, Buffalo cap on, and then he's got a white sweatshirt with Colorado colors, and it says Coach Prime across the front. So Of course it does. Now, you know what that means, Todd? That he's actually not doing the rest of his job, which is coaching. Oh, I get it. So Matt Rule's out recruiting while Dion's on television. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to think of that. I guess, you know, I saw something last week in the last few days where they they leaked some emails or something where Colorado didn't have money to pay him. So I, <laughs> I don't know what to think of the whole thing. I really don't. I I guess that as we get into the season, I mean, we're going to find out whether he's for real. Whether oh, I guess we'll find out whether everybody's what for real. <sighs> okay, you know, I I got all my brain went somewhere right before we started, and I got completely lost and off track. Uh, I was talking to Todd about you know I missed the last show because of headaches and all this stuff, and then I said. Maybe I'll be the first of us, and what I meant was uh, amongst our college friends that some of us still keep in touch with each other, I'll be the first of us that goes off into dementia, and nobody will be able to tell because they'll just go, well, he's kind of fucked up anyway. So. We, well, we all kind of expect that you're going to probably on the fast track to that in that direction anyway. And you're right, John. None of us could tell the difference probably. So, <gasps> Linda Wilkins is back, and she says, Hey, it feels like we are getting the band back together. Do you guys know the words to rawhide? Absolutely. Todd, do rolling, you know the words rolling, to rawhide? Rolling, get those doggies rolling. Yeah, something wasn't, along those lines. Rawhide. Wasn't that a sidetrack band thing? Yes, it was. And if I had my old cell phone, I could I could have sound effects with the whip crack. Yeah, they had a whip, didn't they? I don't. Who the sidetrack? Yeah. No, I, I don't, I don't remember that. But Maybe it was Kurt. Wasn't it one of? Uh, it was one of Joyce's boys that sang the song. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're watching the NFL playoff game tonight. Is there a yep. score? It is six to nothing, Dallas. They uh, missed their extra point, point. Uh, and then Tom Brady had them down inside. Had the Bucks inside the five or whatever. I kind of lost track because you and I were going over uh going over some notes and um uh i did see tom brady throw an interception in the end zone so um looks like the bucks blew their best scoring chance yet so it's my understanding that tom brady has never lost to dallas and that if tom brady wins this game his record tom brady's record 
will be better than the entire Dallas franchise record in the playoffs. Have you heard that? No, I hadn't heard that. That's just, that's like not fair. You know, that's, I guess when you win seven Super Bowls, you're going to pile up some wins. But, you know, Dallas has had Super Bowl championships and they've, you know, in different eras and stuff. But they they really sucked it when he's been around, though. Okay, listen. Our, uh, could you put that? A couple of weeks ago, we had Marcus Satterfield do his introductory press conference, and he mentioned he was going to run. You know, people kind of commented that he's going to run a NFL type offense, and he's going to use a fullback. And I have a question for you, and I have a question for all you people that are watching, and you know, you're in the chat. What do you think of when you think of an NFL offense? <laughs> I just saw Fred's quote. Um, pin that one. We'll come back to Fred's side. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what do I think about? You know, and, uh, you know, part of this is there's been an evolution, I think. And when you talk about pro style offense, you know, typically, you know, it was, you know, kind of like that West Coast offense or, you know, a, a balanced offense. You know, you used to talk about where, Every position group has their own individual calls being kind of indicative of that. But, you know, generally speaking, you know, whenever I've thought of a pro-style offense, I'm thinking of a drop-back quarterback who tends to throw the ball from the pocket. Um, You know, you're going to have a power component to that. And a lot of times, you know, back in the day, um, you had a fullback. And, you know, even when uh, uh, Coach Walsh, you know, kind of revolutionized NFL football with the with the West Coast offense and Joe Montana, they always had a couple of backs in the backfield. Tom Rathman was was a fullback. You had Roger Craig as a tailback, and um, so you know the fullback was an integral part of that. But you know we've had this whole fullback conversation, and if anybody watched the uh, the Ravens game yesterday, I mean they have a three hundred pound fullback, that number forty two, and. Um, you know, his job was, I mean, he blocked and blocked and blocked and blocked and finally had one opportunity, you know, for the ball and to, to touch the ball and the quarterback threw it at his feet. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's kind of changed. Now I see, you know, Lonnie talked about the robust tee to pick up a first down fourth and one. That was the Vikings. Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the Vikings. It was the it was the Jaguars. Who um, is that? Right? Yeah, I think it was. Well, I, think I, it was. I know Penn State lined up in a in a wing tee when they played the Rose Bowl. So maybe we're maybe we're seeing some shifting in offense. But okay, continue on. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, and I, I was kind of cheating over here, and and uh, you know, people have seen that um, kind of little inklings or little hints about some old. Formations, you know, we, we've got a guy on um, coordination who has said he's seen more wing T kind of formations. You watch, watch Kansas City. Andy Reid will put his team in formations that were popular back in the 1950s, with a few little tweaks here and there. Um, but you know, good solid football. Um, is is kind of timeless and you know i i understand we're talking nfl where it's at a completely different level 
But, you know, I've had a lot of contact with high school football over the last 35 years. And you still see teams that dominate at that level who are what who are running the pure Delaware wing tee. And, you know, they, they run it effectively and efficiently. But, you know, for all the fullback fans out there, um, you know, Marcus Satterfield has has uh, wetted Nebraska fans appetites. Um, so I think there's going to be huge disappointment if uh, when when the Cornhuskers break huddle next fall, if they don't see a fullback, the whole stadium. Well, there's two games on the road, so they might not break it out until they actually play in Memorial Stadium. But the whole stadium is going to be expecting that team to trot up to the line of scrimmage in the I formation with a fullback uh, down in a three point right behind the quarterback. Okay, two things what I saw. Uh, number one, I love the Ravens. I, I don't, you know, I, I'm a Green Bay Packer guy. They're out of it. I was hoping the Vikings would win just because, because honestly, I mean, those poor Vikings fans. I mean, I'll leave that till later. But what I, when the Ravens did all that, they had the fullback, and then they also did a lot of pulling with their backside guard and tackle. You know, if they ran a counter, the back guard, uh, backside guard and tackle were pulling. And one of the things, if you listen to a podcast over the years, uh, I always used to give Haas a lot of shit about how many pulls did you see during the game. Nebraska hasn't pulled linemen for like a decade. I, I don't think we've had a coach capable of teaching linemen to pull or having an offense where they could pull. Or I don't know what the deal is. Or we didn't recruit players who have good feet. But the whole pulling the backside stuff and, you know, misdirection that the Ravens did a lot, I, that's really kind of what I would like to see out of Nebraska's offense. Because I, I just misdirection to me, I think, is, well, misdirection, Georgia destroyed uh, TCU in the, the national cutter game. But I just, if I was going to do an offense, I think I'd do shit tons of misdirection all over the place. I'd be like the Mike Leach of misdirection. You know, just because it would be fun. Just to freak I, I would, out. I'm going to venture to say that we're going to see some of that kind of line play. I, I, I just got a gut feeling that uh, with that coaching staff that we're going to have at Nebraska now, we'll, we'll see some of that, that kind of offense. So, John, what 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 has been your overall take on the, you know, we'll, we're kind of bouncing around here, but you've mentioned the NFL. What's been your take with the the playoffs? I know that this is a Nebraska site, but we, we have talked about it's some football. other things here. Yeah, it's football. You know, yeah, it's, I think it's much more exciting than it's ever been. I think last year, I you know, I remember after the Super Bowl, just the NFL quarterback play is just unbelievably so much better than it's been in years. And then what you saw out of like Baltimore was you saw, uh, you know, Tyler Huntley was it? I quarterback runs, and then you saw you saw some calls in the Giants Vikings games that were clearly quarterback power runs. That you had a lead blocker for Daniel Jones, and because the Vikings don't do anything but play cover two, and their defense is non-existent. Hey, they won 13 games this year, and they go out in the first round of the playoffs at home. That's just that's gross. Those poor bastards. Can you imagine being a Vikings fan and a Huskers fan? I have no idea why anybody would do that to themselves. Anyway, well, there's probably I mean, at least just... one or two of them out there that are Cubs fans too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I I think the the changes are you know the quarterbacks are much more dynamic. The offenses are much more fun. 
and the quarterbacks are much more involved in the run game. I mean, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you know, you saw Tyler Huntry, Huntley, uh, Dan, Daniel Jones. Is that it? Uh, yeah. All the just a lot more dynamic offense out of well, the NFL, and that I'll all came you, from college. Even that, even the third stringer from Miami, uh, Skyler was it Skyler Thompson. Thompson? Yeah. You know, heck, he had a decent game, and and well, you know that Miami team. You talk about green. I mean, and inexperienced. You know, they were not up for the challenge of the playoffs and the the pressure. At least, you know, the the coaching staff wasn't. And the fact of the matter is, they damn near. You know, they were almost in position. You know, to knock off Buffalo in spite of that. So, yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun watching these young quarterbacks. I mean. Um, you know, the best one, he didn't even play this weekend. I mean, you know, we got to wait a week to watch Patrick Mahomes play, you know. and um, But holy moly, some of these guys are just lighting it up. I used to, you know, the NFL, I used to, uh, I'd lay down in three minutes, go to sleep. I used to have a lot of good Sunday afternoon naps. Yeah. Uh, who's, who's ahead? You know, it, I didn't care. But now, I mean, the games, the games are really exciting and, and, uh, you know, I think the NFL, that's that whole structure should just take over the, the whole government, everything. That's a whole completely other subject that when we get way deep into the off season. Yeah, that, the, the, the depth have, of off season, you bet. Yeah, when we have a, a, like a loony night as if every <laughs> night that we're not doing this. Well, it was kind of cool, though, for me, you know, last night when I was watching um, Cincinnati play. God, who the hell did they play? Um I'm blank. That other team. That other team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when, when they did the player. Baltimore. Baltimore. There you go, the Ravens. And and they're doing the introductions. Cam Taylor Britt, Nebraska. It was fun. Yeah. It was finally yeah. fun. You yeah. know? I mean, I know there's other Nebraska players in the NFL right now, but not as many as there used to be. So no, that was kind Levante of David tonight. Levante David's out there tonight. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Don Dre says the Bucks are losing thirteen to nothing. Yeah, what I think it's, it might be twelve. I think they missed. I think they missed their extra point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Linda asks. Linda Wilkins asks, "What should we get, move to the next segment?" Well, yeah. Let's 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 just kind of keep it moving, John. Yeah. Okay. Our trade. Right. We need to develop you. a flow here. <laughs> Linda Wilkins says, what's your thoughts on bets coming back in the other wide receivers? Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Uh, number one, I love his name, and I don't think it should be shortened to IGC. You think people should be required? I think we should be like, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, <laughs> touchdown. You know there what you I go. mean? It, it should be stuff like that. I, I think that it's, you know, Xavier Betts, uh, left the program. There was, I think, there was stuff about his mental health and stuff like that. I think that if you look back on the former coach's reign, it's amazing more players didn't have mental health problems. And I, that is not a joke, by the way. That it really isn't. It, when you have dysfunctional uh, organizations like that, and you're young and you have to deal with that stuff, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, get a scholarship and get your way through college and stuff. That's it's not really funny. I, I hope that. Xavier Betts returns. He, I think, when we saw him on the field for Nebraska before, he had moments of just pure brilliance. 
I mean, kid can you, fly. He can move. Yeah, you you never knew what was going on that whole time that he was under that other coaching staff anyway. So I think it's exciting if they can get him back in the fold and we can see what he can do. I think I think Xavier Betts, from what I've heard a little bit from people that have had some kind of contact with former coaches and with Omaha area football, I think that Xavier Betts, you know, not in a bad way, but I think it's been a challenge for a lot of people to work with Xavier Betts. I think that he's kind of a unique individual and, um, you know, it, it just didn't, it just didn't click with his position coaches while he was at Nebraska. And, and, um, you know, now he's going to have to earn some credits before he's eligible. From what I understand, we had somebody oh, really? post on coordination today saying he's going to have to pick up about 18 credits um, before he'll be eligible to play uh, because he bets. left midterm bets. 18 so, credits is a shit ton of credits. Yeah, it is. So if there's any truth to that, he's got his That's work like cut a out year for away. Him. Uh, 18 credits isn't that a year? Well, eight now eighteen would be. You wouldn't know, John, but there are a lot of people <laughs> that did take eighteen credits in a semester. I took. I, I took. I took. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I was working hard sometimes when I was in college. That's not even a lie. <laughs> uh, okay, and then Isaiah Garcia Castareda, that guy, I mean, he had also moments of brilliance, and I think that, you know, I think one, I want to know if, or I want to ask if one of the things is, is he put his name out in the portal and he really didn't get any offers, or if he just, you know, decided, you know, Matt Rule went and talked to him and said, so what's going on, man, you're, I mean, you're here, you we know, can work it, with you. It's conceivable that both things happen, you know, because, you know, we, we know that DeColdis Crawford, um, you know, he put his name in the portal and he first was at Jackson State right. and now he's flipped and he's at Louisiana Tech. So he'll actually be back at Memorial Stadium when we play them, um, uh, you know, this fall. But, um, you know, I don't. I don't know. It, it would. I, I wish somebody out there that pays a lot more attention than I do that has access to resources. I don't. I would love to see a breakdown. You know, total number of players that enter the portal. You know, how many of them end up at a school at the same level um, that they're at? You know, Division One. How many Division One players? You know, that were in a Power Five school go to another Power Five. How many go to a uh, another D1 school, group of five, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And then how many, you know, what's the percentage of them that bop down a level? Because, and, and how many of them really don't go anywhere? Because, I, you know, those numbers, 2,000 football players in the portal this year. So, you know, that's kind of crazy. Husker JPEG says 18 credits is a semester's work. A good student can handle that. Is that a shot? Well, I took 18 credits a few semesters. I don't remember. This is years ago, you know, the whole memory thing. I think I took – I was in engineering for a while. For yes, you were, John. Yes, yeah, you were. Yeah, I was in engineering for a while. By God, I studied matrix theory and linear, linear algebra and discrete algebra for a while. Uh, anyway, uh, 
where the hell was I going? Oh, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda is coming back, or, you know, we don't know yet. I mean, all of this stuff is kind of in flux until who actually shows up in August in fall camp and who's ranked on there. By the way, Max Olson last year uh, did, uh, Husker JPEG says, not a shot. Come Come on, bring it on. Anyway, Max Olson did a breakdown last year, the previous year of the portal, and went through all the position groups and and talked about uh, you know who ended up being where. So I imagine maybe we'll see Max Olson do that again. Well, so, yeah, I still maintain that things are going to come back closer to the norm, and you know whatever the norm is. But um, we know that there's already changes. You know. You get one basic freebie out of the portal, and then after that, if you're going to transfer a second time, uh, you're not automatically eligible. And, and so there's going to be some some uh, some changes with that. So I, I think you know the wild west with the portal and with NIL. I think it's all going to eventually calm down a bit. Right. Um, you know, it, it just it all evolved. It all came about when there was absolutely zero leadership from the NCAA and there hasn't been for years. And the way they responded to all this was to cross their fingers and hope that the federal government would pass some legislation and make some rules that impacted all of this stuff to protect the NCAA's antiquated model of amateur sports. And it didn't happen. So that's why we are where we are. I didn't mean to put that one up yet. We'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, okay, we lost. Well, you know what? Let's go ahead and do it because that was my next subject. Lonnie Kittleman says, can someone call the collective to see what happened with Rouse? Sip was talking about that this morning. He's talking about Walter Rouse, the lineman, the offensive tackle that was coming to Nebraska and then suddenly flipped to Oklahoma and uh, – I, that's kind of a big loss. I mean, in terms of, in terms of probably the one single position that we needed help at would probably be offensive tackle more than any other place on the team. So Nebraska loses Walter Rouse to uh, Oklahoma. I, I don't know what Sip talked about this morning. I, I imagine you know nobody knows what's going on with these nil collectives, and nobody knows what they're really paying. And I think you get the idea that. I don't know. You get the idea that a lot of this stuff is just made up bullshit, honestly. Well, you know, obviously something happened for him to flip, and it's easy to guess that that it was nil. Um, and, you know, perhaps Oklahoma has some rebuilding to do on their offensive line. I haven't paid any attention to Oklahoma, you know, at that level for quite a while. So um, people on people on new YouTube that commented on the short video I did said that he will be a he'll be just a first day starter there. Okay. Yeah. We lost we lost Micah Mazkua to Florida. That was the offensive guard from Baylor that we hoped to get, and he went to Florida. Uh, who else do we have? Oh, we you can't up. lose what, something what you never had. What? You can't lose something you never had. So let's get rid of gloom and doom. We never had either one of those guys. Drama, Todd. This is about drama. Come on. Give us a picture. And then what's with these Georgia guys? 
Well, that's kind of wild, isn't it? You know, we've got a yeah. commitment from an outside linebacker, MJ Sherman, um, who's played in, I think they said like 39 games, you know, since he's been at, at Georgia. Um, uh, you know, really highly rated recruit when he came in. And, uh, you know, on I subbed in for John the other night on Greg's show, and we were talking a little bit about this areas of need. And I've, I've identified, you know, everybody always goes to offensive line and defensive line, but just based upon some of the attrition and whatever, I, I kind of think linebacker is a spot where we've needed some players. And so we picked up an outside linebacker from Georgia. And then there's a tight end who flew in for a visit at Nebraska by the name of Brent Seether. Um, Brett, excuse me, Brett Seether. Uh, you know, again, uh, with Chancellor Brewington moving on, uh, there's room. And Travis Vokalek, you know, he's finished up. So uh, some depth, some additional people, additional bodies at tight end are important as well. Oh, Wow. Blaine Cole says, uh, Blaine Cole from Japan says, you can't lose something you never had such as potential. That's just, that's the drama right there. <sighs> <laughs> Matt Rule has hired a chief of staff. Yeah. You what, know, you what, and I have talked a lot about the professionalization or running a business, creating a business. Isn't it funny, though, how... You know, he's hired this chief of staff and, you know, does does he answer to the chief of staff or does the chief, you know, how, how does this all work in a in the hierarchy? But, um, you know, we picked up a little bit on this. He hired uh, a woman by the name of Susan Elza. And Susan Elza is, you know, I don't know what the official title her position is, but in essence, She's the CEO or the president or the chairperson or whatever of the uh, University Interscholastic League in the state of Texas, which is their high school sports association, UIL. You know, same thing in Nebraska, NSAA, you know, other states have their organizations too. Now think about this. In a state that, you know, is gung-ho high school football, you know, hundreds of high school football teams and those kind and you know a lot of programs a lot of you know uh, focus on on you know that sport in the state the fact that a female uh, is running that organization speaks no, true. you know I'm, I, this is not a sexist comment but boy you know she um, she must be something else because in in the state of Texas I still think that well we're not going to go into politics but it's impressive <laughs> It's impressive to me that a female has run that organization. So I would look for her, um, you know, to be a very positive force for Nebraska football. And, um, you know, there's your Texas connection again. And, uh, you know, Matt Rule has made it very, very clear that Texas is going to be a high priority uh, for recruiting. And uh, he's got a lot of people that have their feet in Texas. Um, and, and so I would expect to see a lot more players coming, coming from the Lone Star State. What, what, does the chief, what does the chief of staff do? When you're the chief of staff in Nebraska football, what is, what, I mean, what is on the job 
description. The only place I've ever heard that term before is with a president. Right. You know, the president's chief of staff. And I think the chief of staff is the one that makes sure they're the organizer. They're the ones that make sure that, you know, the day-to-day -day, uh, schedule, the day-to-day -day affairs of, you know, the coach are all lined up and that he's aware of what's going on. You know, they're the ones that are going to keep track of a lot of the things that can be a distraction to a head coach. Um, you know, and, and I'm going to guess that Matt Rule is going to make it very clear, you know, where he's going to put his attention. And, you know, he'll probably have a daily meeting with his chief of staff. That'll probably be one of the first things that happens each day. And they're going to go through the day and the chief of staff's going to bring him up to speed on, you know, what's happening. So, um, again, it's a way to delegate, you know, some of those responsibilities. I, you know, the entire staff has made it clear up to this point that they're going to build relationships within the state of Nebraska. And, you know, the fact that one of the assistant coaches went out and met Sam Foltz's family, you know, to learn about Sam and, you know, the, the legend of Sam Foltz. And, you know, they're, they're punching all the right buttons right now. And um, I would venture to say that um, they're going to make the, the, well, there you go, Linda, you got it. I would say that's probably as good a, of a description of what the chief of staff does as anything. Linda Wilkins says the chief of staff protects the boss's ass. That is a good description. I just got a text from my great nephew, Landon, who wants to point out, uh, I just wanted you to let you know that Matt Rule's new chief of staff handed me my MVP trophy when we won state in 2019, sent me a picture of him on his soccer field uh, winning the state national title in Texas. Uh, I think he just, he wants to humble brag that he was the MVP. Well, hey, that's awesome. I'd humble brag that too. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, that's true. Uh, where was I going next with this? Are they going to hire a press secretary? They might. I they, would like to see it. You, you and I, you know, we said that that could have saved Scott Frost's job if he'd have had a press secretary. You if, would I not. Mean, Bob, Bob Diaco never belonged in front of a microphone. No. I mean, he never belonged probably coaching defense either, but you know what I mean? There's just some coaches that you, you, they're getting ruled out of their jobs because they're not good in front of a mic. And I just think that, you know, the press secretary thing would be, it could be kind of cool if Nebraska went in that direction. Well, you know, Matt Rule is good in front of a mic, he but is. you know, um, I, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, what's running through my head are all the responsibilities that a head coach has. You know, and is is this chief of staff going to – I mean, they're going to take some of the responsibilities off their shoulders. But, I, I, yeah, it will be interesting to see how that position evolves, I think. If they had a press secretary, they literally could do daily press conferences. And, and with as – hungry as you know nebraska media is and nebraska fans are for information you know if you could you could feed that appetite every day with a press secretary you come out monday here's the here's the weekly meal plan <laughs> 
I, would we eat that up? That's what, a joke. Well, That's you know, and on Tuesday and Wednesday, you can say what's being served at the training table because I'm right. sure there's, I'm sure that there's fans that want to know, you know, what's what the players are consuming at the training table. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, okay, what do we got next, Todd? You know, I was I'm working on a video, and I was going through documents, PDF somebody sent me from the '90s, <laughs> of of sheets that were given to players in the '90s while they were going to the training table, and it was little sheets that said how you should build your meal. You know, I remember hearing that there was kind of diagrams, you know, yeah. on in yeah. the serving area, yeah. You know, take yeah. two of these or three of yep. you know, yeah. Have yeah. you have you selected a complex carbohydrate? How much of your plate is this? It's it's kind of interesting. Uh, okay, what's next, Todd? What do we got next? Um, well, you know, I'm reading this one. Apparently, former Nebraskan Brett Maher has missed three PATs in this game. It's eighteen to nothing Dallas, and the Dallas kicker, former Nebraska's superstar kicker has missed all three PATs. Holy moly. Somebody's paying him. Well, I mean, look at all the comebacks that happened. <laughs> I did. Some of those games were insane. Okay. Uh, pin, I have 11 pinned messages. My God, what am I been doing? I da, 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 da. Now I'm lost. I, I went off on the, the land and text thing. Yeah, who's okay? Let's let's try this one. MK says, "Are we at a disadvantage having three nil collectives versus just a single one that coordinates everything?" You're gonna have to answer that because really? I have no flipping clue how any of that works. Okay, we have 1890, which is the Peed family and Matt Davidson. It's the 1890 collection, 1890 being the first year that Nebraska ever played football. Uh, we have the Big Red Collective, I believe, who's Chris Brown and his cohorts. And then I can't remember who the third one is. And then if you really want to include the fourth one, that would be Pipeline Jerky, who is actually selling jerky. And, you know, you're supposed to buy jerky, and then they contribute to the offensive lineman. I, I don't know if we're at a disadvantage. I, I guess that would be comparable to if you went around the nation and looked at all the other schools. Uh, I, does Alabama have one nil collective? I can't imagine. Okay, can you imagine being like an Alabama booster guy with the egos some of these people have that have lots of money? I mean, if I had a lot of money, I would be even more of an insufferable son of a bitch than I already am. I would. I just do stupid things just to do them, just to well, see what people did. But I, I got to imagine this is the same case at a lot of other universities. I guess, honestly, we should just, uh, you know, we should look into that. We have a long off season in front of us. Yeah, yeah I I think it's too, you know, I have, again, I have not paid close enough attention to really, to really comment on that. Um, you know, I, I, you and I talked a little bit about a, a Neil situation that does not involve a Nebraska athlete prior to coming on uh, tonight. And um, I just think it's, it's so new, you know, people are still trying to get their feet on the ground, you know, with what it is. And I, I don't know, time will tell. But, you okay. know, 
I want to ask a question. Okay, there you go. Linda Wilkins said, have you heard Whitney Lowenstein is going Lohenstein. to leave the volleyball? Lowenstein? Yeah, is I have not. I've I've heard nothing about that. I've heard nothing about Whitney Lowenstein leaving. We had heard when, you know, Nebraska was when Nebraska was playing in the regionals. We had heard that. Oh, God, now I'm throwing a blank on her name. Uh, the libero. Um, our libero? Our libero. Um, yeah, Lexi Rodriguez. Lexi Rodriguez. We had heard um, one of our writers had picked up that Lexi was looking at leaving. Um, but we haven't heard that. Uh, you know, we heard nothing came from that at this point. And so, Linda, I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about Whitney. Uh, that would be interesting, you know, given the fact that, you know, she improved so much yeah. from her her freshman year to her sophomore year. I mean, you know, it's just incredible. You know, so her trajectory looks great. You know, she gets to play in front of her family. Um, you know, she played at Waverly High School, you know, just up north of town. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know what's going on with that. Okay, uh, da, 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 da. we got that one. Aaron, what? Aaron, go ahead. Lonnie Kilman said, "When does the nil changes take place?" I think going into the next season, next year. What what nil changes? Well, wait, I'm thinking portal changes. You're nil thinking changes. Portal. I haven't heard nil changes. I haven't heard nil changes either. I think the portal uh, changes start next year. Yeah, Roger Moore says choppy audio. Your your mic is is cracky. Maybe it's my mic. I don't know. These things are hard to figure out. Uh, do you want this question, Todd? You were going to pick out a, a comment. Aaron well, says we want a Secretary of War. Yeah, well, that's Aaron, a little, you know, that's a little aggressive. College Aaron. things. My God. Uh, okay, you ready for this question? Tony Wash, Wash, oh my God, Washlin. I don't know how to pronounce that name. Who's on your short list? I imagine it means who's on your short list to replace Kevin Warren. I want Gene Smith. He's the only one on my list. Gene Smith. Gene Smith, the guy yes. from Ohio State. Yes. Yep. What about Barry Alvarez? No, Gene Why? Smith. I have a one-person list. <laughs> I'm only putting one person on my list, and it's Gene Smith. And he why is, do you want Gene Smith? Gene Smith has uh, built the strongest athletic program in the country at Ohio I State. I disagree with that. Yeah. And he, he's been around the Midwest, you know, most of his professional career. Um, he was the AD at Iowa State before he went to Ohio State. He's got some kind of connections with Notre Dame. I can't remember what they are. He might have been an assistant coach there. Maybe he played there. I don't remember. Um, but Gene Smith is the right person to serve in that capacity. So that's that's who I want. Okay, Kevin Warren. Let me ask the you know we got sixty five people watching. What do you guys think? Give me your takes on Kevin Warren. Did he do a good job? Did he not do a good job? Are you sad to see him leave? Todd, do you want to answer that? I'll answer it. I'm, I think he did a good job with the television contract. I mean, that's huge. It positions, you know, the Big Ten 
conference, you know, going forward in the future. I think it's huge that um, he was able to work with the powers that be to bring USC and UCLA into the conference. Um, so I think those are two, two very positive things that happened. But on the flip side of that, he absolutely bungled, you know, the whole situation with, with COVID. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that anybody got it right. I, I don't, I didn't agree with what some of the other conferences did, but Warren, Warren just, he bungled that. So I don't know. I, I think the positives, um, I don't know. Well, you know, Aaron just popped up and said he's ruined baseball, killed the momentum that, that the conference had with baseball. I don't know. I, the, the fact that they've got the TV deal and the fact that they've got USC and UCLA coming in are positives. Uh, Roger Moore says, good job. Husker JPEG says, KW was a joke. You know, the thing that bothered me most about him was that he disappeared. And if I think the podcast and the tweets I did at that time were constant about Kevin uh, Warren staying in his bathroom. And I think that's the, the I think that's the mark of good leadership. If you're a good leader, you're visible when things are turning to shit just as much as you are yeah. when they're when they're going well. If you're going to be a guy who's going to be a stand-up leader and do a good job and show people that you're you you are on their side and that you're fighting for them and you're working on their behalf, you're a guy that's out in front and center no matter what's going on. If the shit is hitting the fan. Some of it needs to get on you too. And if the if the shit is flowing in other directions, you know what I mean. If things are going well, then you can of course take those accolades. One of the things that always impressed me about Kevin Warren was how he spoke to people. The guy was so good at it; it was disgusting. You know, if he'd be at a press conference, he would eat up time. This is a lesson in how to speak to people when you're in front of them. Like, you know, if Steve Sipple would ask him a question at a press conference, the first thing he would say was. Well, hello, Sip. It's nice to see you. Thanks for that question. It's a very good question, Sip. And while he's doing that, he's churning what words he's going to say that don't mean a fucking thing. Because that's when you're the commissioner or you're Roger Goodell or you're the head of an organization like that where pretty much all of the people who are in charge are other people behind the scenes and you're the front guy that gets paid a lot of money to take all the shit being thrown at you. You speak a lot without ever saying anything. And I think... Kevin Warren was really good at that. And I, it was impressive. You can be judgy about whether you hate those people or don't like them, but they do have a role to play. And the chancellors and the presidents apparently didn't want him to come back as Big Ten commissioner. I, he did not, that, the athletic directors did not like him. Yeah, that. Even uh, he, he made them a lot of money. Well, which is kind of shocking. Kind of interesting. So, yeah, well. We'll see what happens. Uh, somebody mentioned, I think it was Fred, that Barry Alvarez recommended Sean Eichhorst. He did, who got us Riley, basically a Trojan horse scenario. I, I don't know. I think when you recommend people like that, you look at their track record that's behind them. And then when they get moved in positions of power, like our other athletic director years ago that fired Frank Solich, you know, they just, they, the shit, they, their heads explode. I don't know what happens to them. Uh, okay, 
So KW was a version of Barack Obama, talk and talk to run out the clock. You know, a lot of that's, it's not just Barack. A lot of people do that. That's what they do. That's what their job is, to just speak a lot and not say anything. I mean, I've worked for a lot of executives that do that stuff or people who are in like executive board level stuff. And they, you know, some people just do that like I'm doing now to wear you out. But I don't, John, <laughs> you can't say that that was that guy's job. I mean, well, maybe it was if he it was- It was directed, when he was at the Big Ten Media Days. Well, if he was directed to do so by, you know, the, the uh, presidents by and chancellors or whatever. Um, you know, I, I don't, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, we do have we do have wrestling. Do you want to do wrestling now? We can talk wrestling. Yeah, we're in our forty um, fifth minute. We are. Yeah, Nebraska had two huge wins this weekend. Friday night, I got to see him wrestle live for the first time this season. They wrestled against Minnesota and um, former home of Jesse Ventura, governor. Oh of my God. Um, they, they wrestled Minnesota and, you know, when I was looking at it, I thought, Oh my goodness, this could be, this could be pretty, pretty tight duel. And it ended up, it really wasn't. Nebraska pretty much dominated them on the night. Um, 125 pounders, the one that's really impressing me, uh, Liam Cronin. I've not been impressed with him since he came over from Indiana. Uh, he missed most of last year, all of last year with some injuries, but doggone it. He is wrestling tough this year. He beat two top five ranked wrestlers this week. He knocked off the number four, Patrick McKee from uh, Minnesota. And then he knocked off the uh, D'Augustino kid who is ranked number three from Northwestern. So holy smokes, he he's wrestling really, really well. I've got my new favorite Cornhusker wrestler. He's a freshman from Pennsylvania named Lenny Pinto at 184 pounds. He just goes and goes. Coach Manning, I got to see Coach Manning before the duel at a little booster reception. And Coach Manning said he, he's greener than the grass on a Kentucky horse, horse farm. He said, but he sure is exciting. And and he is. So Lenny Pinto, he went one-on-one -on, -one on the weekend. But Nebraska beat Minnesota on Friday night. They beat Northwestern on Sunday afternoon. Both of those teams were ranked higher than Nebraska. And a lot of guys got some wins that are going to be important in the seeds uh, going forward uh, in, uh, you know, when they get to the Big Ten tournament. This next weekend, Nebraska goes over to Iowa City. Um, was uh, um, And they wrestle Iowa over, over in Iowa City. Yeah, Aaron says the last second reversal at 149 versus many was a thing of beauty. Yes, it was. Uh, uh, Morton is the 149-pounder. Uh, and he's a he's a kid that transferred in this year. He beat Michael Blockus from Minnesota, who I got to watch Michael wrestle his entire high school career. He lived about 30 minutes from where I did in Northeast Iowa. He wrestled for Crestwood, and then he transferred to New Hampton High School. So I'm pretty familiar with Michael. And uh, I'll tell you what, the Morton kid just it was it was beautiful the way he finished that match. So. Good wrestling this week. Why, 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 why is Northwestern ranked ahead of us? They had four returning All Americans. They had they, you know, and Northwestern's got some tough kids. They've got some damn good wrestlers, um, and but we got them and and beat them, beat them pretty handily. So good on the wrestlers. Now, 
I told Fred Sacco to remind me of something, and maybe we ought to hold it. Let's hold it for the last few minutes. Um, okay. It's on a wrestling Okay. Rod, Roger Moore brings up Baron Von Radsky and Mad Dog Vachon. Yeah. You've met you've met Baron. I I, I did. I, I was at a Minnesota's for Nebraska alumni event. It was a golf event. And I walked into the clubhouse and Baron Von Radsky and his wife sat there and I sat there and the golfing was late. So I sat there and I talked to him. He gave me his entire life story uh, for an hour and a half. And one of the things that was, I'll just tell you this. One of the things that was interesting about Baron Von Rasky, if you don't know who he is, Baron Von Rasky was, his name's Jimmy Rasky. He wrestled originally as Jimmy Rasky from Nebraska. Okay, and Barry, Baron Von Rasky became a very, very, very famous wrestler in his time. Uh, he said, uh, what, I think he won the Big Eight. I can't. He did. He, he was no. Yeah, Jim Rasky was was uh, a legit yeah. wrestler at the University of Nebraska. Yeah. I I think he was from Omaha, but I'm not sure. I won't I won't go to the wall on that. But yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, you're right. He was from Omaha. Uh, he talked about almost going to the Olympics in Japan. I think yeah. he just missed that. But he ends up meeting Mad Dog Vachon because they both are in Minneapolis, and Mad Dog Vachon is from Quebec, Canada. And he invites him and he says, he said, Mad Dog Vachon walked by the booth where he was helping with production. And Mad Dog Vachon twice poked his head in and pointed at him and said, you would be a very good German. So Mad Dog Vachon says, come to Quebec and wrestle with me and be my tag team tar- partner. And of course, Baron Von Rasky, who was Jimmy Rasky from Nebraska at this point, uh, goes to Quebec and he said that, you know, and I don't, I don't know if he made all of this part up, but how he became legendary Baron Von Rasky was, he said that they're in Quebec, it's French. He doesn't know any French. This TV guy is trying to interview him. And he said, I took German in high school. I knew some guttural German. So I just started saying these words in German. And if you ever heard Baron Von Rasky talk, this is kind of how he talked. And he's a jar, you know, and then he played this German guy and he got famous for me. But what struck me about that entire thing was he said, when I was Jimmy Rasky, I was always terrified. It was terrible in front of a camera. But when I became Baron Von Rasky, I became a completely different human being. And it's a really it's just a really fascinating story uh, about a guy that just I became very famous and. Uh, how he did it, and it was really, yeah, the, the, yeah, claw, the claw, exactly, the claw, you know. And I, I did, I tried, I sat there and I I tried like hell. I said, you know, I went over, he went, I went over here and I was the bad guy and I wrestled this guy and I said, well, how did you beat him? Well, I wrestled. He would never, never give up anything about how they made all this stuff up, you know, and the, you know, never for one second did he drop his guard and say, yeah, we planned it all ahead of time. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I had opportunity to talk to him, not nearly to the extent that you did, but I saw him at a, he was at uh, an event uh, at in Minneapolis at the NCAA tournament up there one time where Nebraska pulled some people together and very humble, very interesting man. And, you know, Mad Dog Vashon, you mentioned him and I, Again, my facts are going to be off, and if you guys have any interest in this at all, Mad Dog Vashon ended up spending 
you know, the, the last few years, I think he's passed now, but he, he ended yeah. up spending the last few years of his life living in Omaha. And, oh, really? um, you know, some, some people in Omaha, uh, you know, he, he went on, you know, fell on some hard times. I think he ended up having both of his legs amputated because of diabetes or something. But, right. yeah. um, you know, kind of a sad story. But, you know, there's an Omaha connection with him as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. We have 52 minutes. Uh, men's basketball. You know, I only watched part of the Purdue game. Sam Greasel was out. Uh, Jawan Gary was out. Uh, I, you know, it, it was Purdue's home court, number three in the nation, Zach Eady and that lawyer kid. I mean, they, we got the crap stomped out of us. I, I, the biggest thing I took away from that game is Oleg Koyanitz, and I'm pronouncing his last name, Lithuanian kid, the seven-footer we have, got into the game, and I thought he played some good minutes. But I think men's basketball, what, it, what came out today on our Slack room is that Nebraska, men's basketball, Nebraska men's basketball, according to the NET rankings, now has the number one toughest schedule in the country. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what you take from that other than I guess we're playing damn tough schedules and, you know, we won some games. I would hope that that hope you hope the schedule eases up toward the end and maybe they could still somehow win some games. And I don't think they're going to make the NCAA tournament, certainly. But uh, I don't know. Maybe they could. Well, they they're in a from what I understand, they're in a real tough stretch right now, you know, playing high quality teams and. You know, hopefully the guard heals up a little bit, Sam heals so that he can play and contribute, you know. Um, I, I think that they're going to get some wins uh, coming up here, but I don't know. You know, I, I watched the women's game this weekend uh, against Penn State. Um, you know, they blew them out, uh, looked pretty solid. Uh, they've got, I think, Maryland coming up here pretty soon, um, who they beat out at Maryland, but – um, you know, I think that they're kind of hot and cold. And, and it seems that um, as uh, Jazz Shelley goes, um, you know, the, the team goes. If she's hitting, um, you know, they're, they're playing pretty good. If she's not, it can get pretty ugly pretty fast. So, What else we got? I had something and then it just went, you know, it flittered away like butter. Well, you know, I, I – we got to do a better job of, of uh, staying on some things. I think, you know, we told people last week that their homework was to discuss uh, playoff, that we wanted to discuss playoff expansion. And we jokingly said World Cup expansion, too. But let's make that let's make that the, the homework assignment for um, next week. Next is, week. OK, yeah. Come come with your um, with your uh thoughts and opinions on expansion. I know Lonnie Kittleman's mentioned Husker power update a couple of times. I haven't paid any attention to the strength and conditioning program. So I really don't have any idea other than they're starting as soon as those guys get on, you know, I think. Oh I, yeah. I think today was the first yeah, day of winter conditioning. I think it was. So, um, you know, maybe we'll know more, you know, in the, in the next few days or next few weeks about, you know, the, the strength program. Thank so, you, Linda. Yeah. Linda says, good night, John and Todd. Thanks for an enjoyable so, hour. Well, we, we enjoy having you guys with us. Yeah. We're winding down. So bring up Fred's, Fred's, I told you to pin Fred's question or reminder. This one? 
Yes. Now, Fred Fred Sacco says, Todd told me to ask about the Flying Salami Brothers. And I'm not referring to our former head coach and his running buddy from the Flea Kicker. <laughs> What's he referring to, Todd? What are the Flying Salami Brothers? Well, on Thursday night, again, you know, John, it's dangerous when, when you don't show up because somehow Greg and I went down the twisted path and uh, oh, I know what it was. Don Dre, who I talked about real quick at the end of our last show, Don was on Thursday night, and he rec- he asked me who my name, what my last name was, and and when I told him my last name, then he made the connections, and and so yeah, we had a kind of a we we connected a little bit over our involvement wow, right. with wrestling back in the day. We we tangled when we were kids, um, but um, and you know, Fred Sacco's asked this question and. I remember my brother wrestled a Sacco that uh, wrestled for maybe St. Thomas More or something like that. Sam Sacco. I don't know if that's a familiar name or not. Anyway, Flying Salami Brothers. Here's the deal. I'll be real brief. I came to Nebraska in the the fall of 1981. I, I My first year of college, 1980, I went to the University of Montana. And back then, the University of Montana had a Division One wrestling team, and I was on – Montana's wrestling team. I wrestled 158 pounds back in the day. I, it's that's way in the rearview mirror. But um, so I had one year. I wrestled. Uh, let me see. I wrestled eight of the varsity matches that we had out there, and um, then I transferred to Nebraska. I was not on the wrestling team at Nebraska, but I moved into Shram Six, um, <laughs> the dorm floor, and. I met John and a bunch of these other guys, and um, you know, Fred says Sammy's his cousin. Um, but I met John and a bunch of the other guys, and you know, they used to give me crap about being a wrestler and stuff. And probably after too many beers one night, you know, we got to trash talking, and I said, "Well, I can take three of you on." And so John, Jeff Byer, Jeff McMurtry. I wrestled me against those three, and I kicked their ass. No, you did not. You did not. I pummeled them. I pummeled them. You didn't either. Then, then they kept demanding. I was was the three-on-one champion of the world. And then, then they kept demanding a rematch. Well, you see, they got together and strategized. And one day, one evening, I'm standing by the elevators and I was jumped from behind by the flying salami brothers. That's who would jump a guy from behind. It was Todd Wolverton against the flying salami brothers. And they got me. They knocked me down from behind and one of them grabbed both of my feet. And so I'm down on the ground with both of my feet up in the air. I could get no leverage on those guys. And so I was one on. I was one and one. My career record in three on one wrestling against the Salami Brothers was one and one. I beat their. Wait a minute. And Wait a then minute. They you were laying on your back once in the lounge, and we jumped on you, and that okay. was over in an inch. Okay, okay. you forgot two. about that loss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I retired from that point. So. Because <laughs> he wimped out, we were starting to figure out his moves. We were starting to, you know. 
<sighs> I lived with another wrestler named, well, we'll just use the name Sully. And I used to give him shit about being fat because it bugged him. He really wasn't that fat. He came <laughs> home drunk one night. He was a stocky guy. And I said right, something about him being fat. And he took me, and we'll just end the show here. He took me and he turned me into a pretzel. And it was extremely painful. And he enjoyed every second of it. And I just, you know, don't ever fuck with wrestlers. Don't ever. <laughs> They just, if they, some guy says, that's the problem with these days now. Like, if you're going to get into a fight, nobody gets into fights anymore, do they? I mean, but if you're going to get into a fight anymore, you don't know if this guy, if he knows martial arts and MME, WEE, whatever. Whew. Anyway. Okay. Is there anything else we missed, Todd? I, I, not that we, we, just a reminder, your homework next week, we're going to talk about playoffs and playoff expansion. So we'll spend some time on that. And who knows, you know, maybe this linebacker, we wake up tomorrow and the linebacker from Georgia, maybe he flips and goes somewhere what? else. I Well, I'm just being a realist here, John, being a realist. Okay, there are two important dates coming up. What are they? There are two important dates. Number one, uh, Nebraska baseball practice starts January 27th. Got it. Okay, on Got January it. 28th, I jump in a frozen lake. Yeah, I'll be pushing that a little bit more in the future. Sounds great. Uh, Roger Moore says John has great wrestling hair. I, I, you know, if it was fake and people just didn't grab you and like, I don't know. You need to peroxide it. Ric Flair. I need to practice my woo. Your woo. Uh, Linda says, how many days in the past has that been? I don't think it's days we're talking about. It was years. That, it came up during the uh, the during the uh, flying salami brothers thing. Uh, okay, Lonnie Kittleman says YouTube it or it didn't happen. The plan is to actually have a YouTube video of me jumping in a frozen lake, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know anything else. What's the score? Looks like it's eighteen to nothing. Maybe they just scored again. Yep, it is now twenty four. Zero Cowboys. My God, is it halftime? It's uh, third quarter. Ten minutes and four seconds to go in the third. Wow. Tom Brady uh, could be out the door. I, he, Tom Brady's washed up. Okay. MK says pro wrestling names. Our homework <laughs> is pro wrestling names for John and Todd. There you go. All <laughs> right. Go. Let's go, Todd. Good night, Todd. Good night, John.